Welcome back to the Stock Market Options Trading Podcast. My name is Eric, and in this episode, we're going to dive into the concept of call and put walls and the mechanics behind them when we're talking about the options market. There's no one better to discuss this topic that I know other than Brent Kachuba from Spot Gamma. That is my guest today. You may have heard his name before as he was on a previous episode. That was episode 42 of the podcast. So be sure to check out that episode if you find this one interesting. I think you are. It's, it's definitely fascinating. Keep in mind that everything in this episode and on this podcast is for informational purposes only, and we are not financial advisors of any kind. Now let's get into the topic of call walls with Brent from SpotGamma.com. Brent, welcome back to the show. How's it going? I'm doing great, Eric. How are you? Good. I um I appreciate you coming all on uh so quickly. Uh, you had tweeted about call wall and the market's been kind of drifting higher. And I wanted to crack into this subject a little bit more for myself, but also the listeners. I know uh you were on a previous episode, which is episode 42 of the podcast for the listeners who want to go back. And we talked about all kinds of stuff, but I think something that's really relevant right now is um these option walls and and the idea that they're shifting because we've we're we're seeing this um I'm air quoting bear market rally, and I wanted to just kind of get your take on that. But I, 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 w- I do want to go through the mechanics a little bit of the call wall because that one seems to be more prevalent right now. So, yeah, let's just get right into it. What is a call wall, and and how do you calculate that, and what do you look for when you're looking at those metrics as you know the market changes over time? Excuse me. Uh, that's a that's a great question. So the the basic idea behind the call wall is trying to estimate where the biggest line of call positioning sits, just in open interest in general, just for options positioning in general. Now, most of the time, people say where are dealers most short or most long, you know, a given strike. But all we're trying to do here is to figure out what is the call with the most amount, uh, with the biggest options position. Now, generally, the biggest options position we think is the strike with the largest amount of gamma, uh, the most amount of positive gamma, or the most amount of call gamma, basically, you could say. So uh, we think that's significant for a few reasons. One, there's the narrative, of course, that hedging flows should come in and around that, uh, that position. And then the second one is just also from what I would just mark as a, a sentiment uh, perspective, right? If the trading community at large believes that the market's about to go substantially higher, right, then then you would think there would be much more activity at call strikes overhead. So there's a bit of secret sauce in there that I won't reveal. But in general, um, you can get there by looking at uh, some type of gamma-weighted uh, positioning, you know, call positioning. Um, you know, that strike, the call wall strike is, is for the S&P, is always going to be above where the market is trading. Sometimes with the NASDAQ or where the positions aren't quite as big and consistent, you know, that metric will actually show up maybe a little bit below where the market's trading. That's just a function of how we look at positioning. But in general, uh, the call wall is going to be, you know, at or slightly above where the market is trading. Incidentally, if the call wall that we measure is like very far away, right? Let's say it's three, four hundred handles. Uh, then we sort of just ignore it because it's so far away. And that can happen in situations where, you know, like most of this year where the market was so dominated by put positions that that calls were just kind of flickering around overhead. They weren't really involved really uh, with the way the market was trading. You know, this was a very put heavy market regime. And over the last two weeks, we've shifted, which is why you mentioned before that that the call wall seems to be really in play over the last uh, week or two. Coming from like a retail perspective, we were taught things like the open interest and 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 you know I know there's the regular Greeks, but when you say gamma exposure, is that in line with 
where the most of the open interest is? Like if I look at the option chain or, or, or is that different? It's different. So that is a great question actually, because, um, there's a couple pieces here, right? Most people think, okay, I'm going to look at open interest and get an, a feeling for the uh, the weight or the importance of, of different strikes or positions in the options market. And the problem with that is that a lot of open interest can exist at strikes that are just not in play and will likely never be in play, right? They, they could be at the you know 500 level in the spiders, right? Or the 10,000 level in or whatever it may be, right? That doesn't offer you much insight. What happens is, and I think one of the values of looking at it through gamma, let's just forget about the hedging you know, narrative for a minute. What gamma is biggest for is options that are at the money and, and gamma increases as we get closer in time, right? So the closer that the option is to where the stock is trading and the nearer in time, the larger the gamma is. Now, if you think about that from a, a market perspective, that also tells you where kind of the most relevant options positions are, right? So if okay. I have only 10 contracts, but they're at the money to expire Friday, those are going to carry way more weight than a thousand contracts that are, you know, 500% out of the money that expire on Friday, right? So that, so gamma just helps you weight that interest. It helps you sort of uh, give you an, an estimate of how important the open interest is, you know, the, the, the relevant options position is uh, versus open interest. Gotcha. So once you identify those levels or, or ranges, um, what's the, I guess, the duration, I don't know if that's the right word, or the horizon, yeah. is that kind of like a a thirty day view, or how, or, or is it just weighted because the the closer the closer in time are weighted more? So are you looking at all the the expirations and and how, how does that, you know, when I'm looking at that level, and I know I I trade a lot more um, shorter term stuff now, one two day stuff, and sometimes those call walls are like they're just so far away, yeah. I don't know that they're relevant to day trading maybe, but but for, you know, like 30 day type spreads or something like that, is that where it's more relevant? More, I don't want to say swing trading, but like, you know, two, three weeks. Or what's that uh, duration look like as a trader? Uh, that's a great question. So the way that we look at the market historically is in 30 day cycles. And those 30 day cycles are tied to options expiration. Now, what has been happening as of late and particularly in single stock space is that that cycle can get shortened to five days because that's where the options expiration, the big options expiration. So if you're trading the meme stocks or even Tesla, oftentimes or some of the bigger names, the biggest options expiration will be five days out. So it's like this cycle will happen even faster for some of those stocks. But, but basically the cycle is you get a buildup of positions, right? And those positions build typically the bigger funds, hedge funds and like have positions that are the 30 days out, right? So you get these bigger positions that are rolling and shifting as the market moves around. And then inside of that sort of cycle, you have what is now expiration every single day in the S&P or three days a week in the queues. Uh, and obviously there can be a buildup and, and sort of shift of positions, you know, tied to those shorter expirations. So kind of if you think about this map, right, you have a 30-day cycle, right, which which is like if you vision that as a as a wheel, right, and then inside of that inside of that wheel you have a whole bunch of other small smaller term cycles, right. So if you're trading today's expiration, you need to be aware of what today's positioning is. Uh, but if you have a monster level like we have this giant level at 4,200, and we have another level up at 4,300, you can frame those shorter day positions inside of that context. If that makes sense. So it's sort of okay. like you need to overlay, you know, you have the core theme of what's what are, what's positioning inside of this 30-day 
uh, cycle and then what is happening, you know, with the, with the expirations that are, you know, shorter in term by this week. Let me mention another thing about this 30 day cycle. We have this, we have these regimes, right? Of positive and negative gamma or high and low volatility. And that's what this cycle is really important for. We entered a, what we call a positive gamma cycle right after the FOMC, kind of late July, right? Call positions started to build and our various gamma metrics said that basically once we got above 4,000, there's so much gamma and there's so much open interest at 4,000 that that is a big support line. If we get above that, then volatility should come down, right? Market volatility mm. should come down because we believe the market's supported at that 4,000 level. When volatility comes down, we believe that is a tailwind for equities. Right. So just think about it like this. Lower VIX generally means higher market, right? Put values uh, are declining. And when put values decline, we believe that leads market makers and dealers to have to buy equities. They, they cover shorts, right? They cover shorts. So, so there's this tailwind that lifts market. And if you look at sort of classical market theory, lower volatility is positive for equities, right? right? If you hold equities only in low, quote unquote, low volatility periods, you do better than obviously in higher volatility periods. So this cycle, right, that we entered in late July has positions that are now built up into August expiration, which is next Friday. So we look at this 30-day cycle of saying, okay, volatility in general should be reducing over this 30-day period. Call positions are building over this 30-day period. The market's going to trend higher over this 30-day period that should expire on August 19th. So if I want to trade today's expiration or Monday's expiration, I'm going to do it in that context of sort of declining implied volatility and positive drift in equities. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm on your website right now at spotgamma.com. Um, I'm going to put this uh, a link in the show notes of the of the podcast for people to go check this out. But um, you you had a couple stats there for you know the call wall uh, getting breached and how it was only breached 17 percent of the sessions. Do you um, do you have any sort of insight on is that is that because as the market shifts up, the call wall tends to shift too? So those breaches were some kind of maybe. The Fed decided to print money again, and just you know, you know, some some surprise, yeah. upside surprise. Is that is that the you know why that is? Yeah, I mean the, the the call wall is strictly based on on data that we read, right? And so if there is a, a Fed easing or a stimulus bill passed or you know whatever happens intraday, then obviously it can get breached. And, and you know, technically, yesterday, right? It. The, the S&B closed above our call wall by five points, right? So, so technically that is a breach. However, so our call wall for yesterday, just to set the scene, I guess a little bit better was at 4,200. That we said in our morning note is our resistance level. And we put our note out at 730 in the morning. And that was when futures are at 4,220 and said, look, this means historically, statistically speaking, that the market is overbought here, right? Because the largest call position as we measured is at 4,200. And so if we're pushing above that, we be, we believe that that is excessive bullish activity essentially right the okay. market has just extended too far and the market should come down therefore and and retest that level so intraday some very interesting things happened yesterday uh this would have been thursday friday uh, excuse me thursday august 11th in the morning the the s&p ripped to 45 uh, 4250 roughly right in that same time right in the morning vix was going higher fall up stock up that's a classic example of irrational exuberance you might call it now why the vix up goes up at that same time you could there's a few different things that suggest it was actually put buying into that 
right? But anytime you see Tesla up, ball up, AMC up, ball up, that's always a sign that look, this this is the stock is crashing up, and that's going to mean revert, right? It's the same idea. If if puts are cra- if the market's crashing and put values are spiking and implied vol spiking because of that, well, that's probably going to mean revert, right? Because we're we're crashing. When you crash, you you, you tend to mean revert a little bit, right? So, anyways, call wall is at forty two hundred. Market rips to forty two fifty with VIX going higher. We tag that level, and then the market sells all the way back off, and we close right around I think forty two oh five. Right. So that was for us this classic example of look, there's not solid options call positioning above here, right? So there's nothing, there, there's not enough strikes above to catch the market and to hold it up because that's what we believe the calls are doing, right? Uh, strikes, options that strikes overhead, right? Draw hedging flow that we believe support the market when it goes higher. So what happened was there was a lot of short-term trading. Yesterday, obviously, with that 100-point move, you know, 50 handles up and 50 handles down, that this morning, uh, our call wall rolled to 4,300. So that mm. meant to us that the bulk of call positions have now shifted from this level of 4,200 up to 4,300, which has led us to say call wall went higher, and now we think the market's able to roll higher, right? Now there's support for the market if it rallies up to 45, uh, excuse me, up to 4,300. And as we sit here today, right now, the S&P is up about a percent and we're at around 4,250. So this is, you can see that cycle work, right? Like the market goes up, our call wall will shift up, and then we have another level we call the, the absolute gamma strike, which is if you just look at the total gamma at puts and calls, you know, that's kind of the largest area of gamma. If that shifts up with it, well, that's support, right? And so you can almost create this box, right? Call wall on the top and you know, put wall on the bottom or this absolute gamma idea on the, on the bottom, that creates this box, right? And the box is sliding higher. Well, that's great for the market. That's support for the market. Mm. Once you break out of that box, either above or below, you know, that tells you that things could get more volatile, right? That, that That's a signal that, that something's just not right. Yeah, I noticed that, um, yeah, when the call wall went higher, in some of the metrics that I look at, I'm not seeing, I mean, and maybe that's a result of the VIX continuing, you know, we're, we're down below 20 now. I'm not really seeing a lot on the put side. Our, yeah. um, and, and one of the things you mentioned on your site, I know I'm kind of all over the place, but, uh, the, the put wall in your view is actually a little bit different. Is there some nuances there? I mean, what are you looking for in the put wall versus the call wall or what are the differences there? I think the, the, the main difference is that the, Put wall tends to be much more transient. It flips around a lot more. And I think that's because of the structural way that people trade calls versus puts. So what's interesting about the call wall is the call wall now forms this base, right? Positions filled in there. And now it's just support level and a new call wall has, has shown up at 4,300. So you get some puts filling now at 4,200. Some more calls fill in. It grows into to be this bigger position. Whereas up at 4,300 right now, it's just pure call positions. Right. So if we move up to 4,300, then maybe people sell some straddles or whatever it may be. And, and you'll see some puts come in around 4,300. And to us, that fills that level in. And hopefully that becomes a support level for the market to move higher. If you consider put positions, what do people do when their puts go in the money? They sell them, right? Because you have to be aware of that implied volatility component. Calls you can hold, right? Maybe mm. and you're more willing to hold because implied vol going down doesn't really burn you as much, right? Right. Generally, it's not going to matter. Uh, yeah, there's of course a little bit of, you know, you want to try to catch the right moment to sell your option, but it's not the same as, Hey, the market is crashing, right? VIX just went to 80. And, and if I just, 
And if the market just pauses here and VIX comes down to 40, well, my put's going to get crushed, right? All is equal. So you got to be much more active, I think, a lot of times trading puts. And so there's that monetization uh, that makes that put wall jump around quite a bit more. And incidentally, in that same stat that you mentioned, one of our most bullish indicators is the put wall rolling up, which suggests that puts are getting closed, which is a pretty fascinating you know, idea. And if you think about it, well, if, if traders are closing, they were long put hedges, and dealers are short hedges, they're short those puts, as the, as those puts are closed, right? If you're a dealer, you're short put, short stock, if puts are closed, then you can buy that stock back and that can maybe be a, a, an influence to, to, you know, cover your short hedges, right? That can maybe boost the market up. So, um, again, you can kind of see these positions all shift. And if you look at it again over a little bit of a longer term cycle, like that 30 day cycle, you get this context in this narrative where you go, Oh, okay. Uh, here's the general theme. Right. So now I can go out there and say, okay, what do I want to do today if I want to sell today's options or Monday's options? Well, it looks like market's pretty well supported by these bigger positions that don't expire till the 18th. So maybe I'm more comfortable to short vol here or maybe I'm more comfortable to sell puts at 4200 because I know um, while there's not a lot here that expire today, there's a whole bunch that exist out uh, next you know, next Friday, so right. the market will be supported there. So that's kind of, again, how you can overlay today's expiration with the, the larger term cycle, so to speak. You brought up the VIX here, and, and we get a lot of questions about what's the lower bound for VIX. Um, and I think it also applies to the cycle. So I'll go off on this little tangent if you'll, if you'll have sure. me. So, uh, you know, VIX, as we talk here, is 1919. I think that's, that's pushing pretty near the low this year, right? And so we get a lot of questions around what's the low for the VIX. And... You know, and that you can use that as a barometer for implied volatility in the S&P in general, right? What's the low for implied volatility? If you looked at, if you look at one month realized volatility, we track this on our site. Uh, you can also Google S&P global one month volatility and S&P, uh, index will show you one month volatility. You can use that as a pretty fair value for the lower bound of where the VIX should be. So if you look at that metric, it's about 17, right? So what's the volatility been over the last 30 day rolling window? roughly 17. So the VIX at 19 is now compressed, you know, down towards that level. And if you think about an option implied volatility, well, volatility is forward looking. It, you know, people want to pay up, right, to own that hedge. And so you should take one month realized vol, which is 17, and add a little bit to that, right? And how much you want to add is up for debate. Is the FOMC going to come out next week? Is there a war going on? Is there, or is everything kind of kosher and we're in the summertime and no one really cares about hedging? So, Again, you have 17 is kind of your lower bound. You can add a little bit of premium to that. And that's generally, I think, a decent idea for what the lower bound of the VIX should be. So right now we're at 19. Realized vol is 17. It's probably going to end up at 16 in the next week. And so, you know, you're coming down to this area where the, the, the premium, right, which is what you can look at the VIX minus one month, that implied vol premium starting to collapse pretty good. And that's going to sort of like those two are really con- converging at a point where next Friday we hit options expiration, a time that can sometimes spark volatility. So it's a pretty interesting, you know, window to come in. And also with this, if you're selling short dated S&P vol, you want to kind of have an idea of, well, where has implied vol been, right? So you can look at that one month window, right? And say, okay, it's at 16. And do I now think that the regime is changing? We think the regime is changing because because call gamma is building, it's padding the market, it's causing realized volatility to constrict. And so it's those interesting periods now where you may be able to get a little bit of extra premium if you're selling short dated options because of the fact that the, the, we view the market regime has changed, right? One from that's been very volatile, but now volatility should be really 
condensing that we have so much, such big call positions. And as we build into options expiration and as the VIX comes down, you know, that constriction of volatility should continue. Yeah, this is fascinating stuff. I, I definitely recommend the listeners to go over to Spot Gamma if you want to get more information on this. Um, I really appreciate you coming on. I know this was like a, uh, a, a super quick, uh, you know, a scheduling thing, but this is no, really no cool. Problem at all. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, I love, I'll just say I love talking to you and, and your community because you guys only talk about options. So it's great. I know on a lot of macro shows and I think some people. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, I've been, I've gotten, um, it, when you're dealing with shorter term trading, you know, it's definitely, um, and, and you're trading options, you, you kind of have to be. And I think there's a lot of tools that are out there now for retail traders that, that can help with this stuff. Cause before, I find myself, I mean, I still look at charts, obviously, but I find myself less worried about the charts and more about what the options market is right. doing. And, uh, you know, Spot Gamma and some, you know, some other, you know, little tools and stuff I use, um, I think are, are kind of letting me look at it through a different lens to at least, you know, make some smarter decisions and, and sometimes just not trade because maybe some things are conflicting, you know? Um, yeah. so I think, I think that's, that's really, really helping. Talking about that before that not trading is one of the hardest things to do. And so kudos. Yeah. To you. And yeah. I didn't point, trade today. <laughs> so and I'm doing great. Point, I had a great day. <laughs> best day ever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but on the point too, I think it's, it's hard now because there's so many narratives, you know, uh, yeah, you, know, you read the news, you get angry, <laughs> you know, for one reason or another, or, you know, the stimulus is going off and there's all these things going off. And it's very hard to separate your emotions from that. And so, you know, that, I think this is sometimes where that data comes in, right? What's my probability of return? And it's almost like you can take safety in the, in the math around options trading. It's, uh, yeah. you know, sometimes it's a little bit refreshing, like, you know, uh, oh, there's a probability here and I, I know what my distribution looks like. And if it's, if it's cheap, I'll buy it. And if it's rich, I'll sell it. And there we go. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, again, thanks for coming on. I'm going to probably uh, continue to bother you and get you on and talk about different subjects. And uh, I appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Eric.